You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? You look good this morning. You know that? Yeah, why don't you look at somebody and say you look good? Unless they're a stranger. Don't do that. That'd be creepy. Don't do that. Okay. Man, you guys look good. Man, you sounded so good in worship. Sometimes one of my greatest joys is to stand over here and to not sing and to listen to you sing and hear the praises of God just enveloping this room. It is such a joy, and I'm so grateful to be back with you this week. I, um, I was not here last week. Um, I was able to get my son and new daughter-in-law married off, and uh, so, yeah. So I had a great time, and um, he's not here today, but um, in a last-minute schedule, um, uh, Pastor Brett had to fill in last week and did a fabulous job, and I know he's not here today, but publicly I want to express my appreciation to him for all he does around here too, amen? Yeah. So we're going to finish up our series that we started a few weeks ago on the book of Proverbs. Obviously, we haven't had a chance to cover all of the book of Proverbs, but we are touching the highlights of it. So today, we're going to be in Proverbs 26. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs 26. As you're turning, I want to remind you, next week, we begin a brand new series called Asking for a Friend. This is the series where a few months ago, we ask you, what are some sermons or topics that you've never heard a sermon on or you want some clarity on? And we had so many responses, and we have five Sundays in July. And so we're going to cover five of the most, um, uh, not requested, but the most apparent that people wanted to hear, and some of the most important that wanted to be a part of that as well. And um, so I'm excited about that series. Um, I'm questioning myself why I chose the, uh, the month of July to pick a series that's going to have so much detail and research in. I'm kicking myself right now, but I'm actually excited about it. It's going to be a great series, so I hope you'll be here starting next week for that. Starting in verse 1 of Proverbs 26, here is what Solomon, the wisest human who's ever lived, said. Honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with harvest. Can you tell this is going to be a fun one? Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. Guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. I want to talk to you today about Solomon's entirety in the book of the 26th chapter of dealing with foolish things in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. Thank you, as Pastor Jason says, that you, you, you took a moment today and just showed up in a real intangible way in this place. And you met needs and you touched lives and you showed us you were with us. Now, I pray that you would continue to be with us as we study your word, allow your word to study us. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, that conviction would come to the places that need to come, convincing would come to the places that need to come, and we would make those changes and allow the Holy Spirit to change those things in us as we act on your behalf and live according to your word. I know what the words you've given me to say as they go forth, and on our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them, so you may accomplish your perfect will, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever done something foolish in your life you wish you could take back? Let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah. How many did one this morning? Let me see your hand. Now I'm just, listen, I, 
So I've told you some of these stories. I'm not going to recount a lot of these stories, but there are some foolish things I've done in my life that I think, man, if I could just have that moment back, that was not good at all. There was the moment where I've told you, I'm not going to go into the whole story. There is a moment where I did drive my father's car into the side of the church sanctuary that he pastored on a Saturday afternoon, and they had to fix the hole in the wall before they could have Sunday service the next day. That was foolish. There was the time that I was in college, and we decided we wanted to do something adventurous, and so we were going to jump on a train, a train. It wasn't a passenger train. It was just a freight train. So we got on the train at one side of town. We were going to plan on jumping off and get it off when it stopped on the other side of town. It did not stop. It picked up steam. And the only time way we could get off was 25 miles later in a different town. We had to jump off the train going 20 miles an hour. That was not a smart thing to do at all. When I was pastoring in Mississippi, I was working at a camp, a youth camp, and um, one of my friends had always been playing jokes on everyone throughout the week. And so um, um, one day he came up behind me, at least I thought he came up behind me, and he took his arms and wrapped them around my arms. So he's pinning my arms back like this. And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, fun's over, you know, stop. And he wouldn't stop, wouldn't let go. So finally I just said, I've had enough of this. So I took his arms and I pulled him as tight as I could. He wouldn't let go. So I bent over until I saw his feet leave the ground. And I just started shaking him up and down on my back until he released his grip. I then put him down and turned around and it was not my friend. It was my regional overseer for the whole state of Mississippi. I took my overseer on my back off his feet and shook him like a rag doll for about 30 seconds. I caught his eye. He walked away. We never spoke of it again. I don't know what he thinks about it to this day. That was a foolish thing. That's not what Solomon's talking about. He's not talking about the foolish things we do sometimes where you kind of go, oh, no, wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. He's talking about deeply ingrained behavior in people that has to be addressed, dealt with externally or towards the end of this chapter, internally, that we have to be on guard to make sure that those things aren't taking place in our lives. And Solomon deals with the subject of fools. And when he says fools here, he means Those who are inclined to imprudent and wrongful behavior and then turns it around and says, watch for these things in your life as well. So there's three things I want you to see this morning as I sort of group these into three separate categories. The first thing Solomon says he wants you to be careful of is foolish trust. Foolish trust. In verses 4 through 12, he talks about these foolish things that you shouldn't trust a fool with. I want to deal separately with verses 4 and 5 because they're probably two of the most confusing verses in the entirety of all of the book of Proverbs because they seem to contradict each other. Here's what it says. Verse 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Then immediately, he says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Let me repeat that for you. Don't answer the fool or you yourself will be just like him. The next breath, answer the fool or he'll be wise in his own eyes. 
So which is it? What Solomon is saying is, you actually need godly wisdom to know when and when not to respond to foolish people. You literally need the wisdom of God to know when to speak to someone about something and when not to speak. When to get drawn into a conversation and when to not get drawn into a conversation. Verse 4, when it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be just like him. What he's saying is this. These are situational. You need wisdom to know how to deal with it. Sometimes a fool needs to be ignored. All God's people said? Amen. You've got somebody in mind when I said that. You can't allow yourself to be dragged into the conversation or the antics of a fool. You can't do it. A fool will take you places that you never need to go. Verse 5 says, but you should answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. What he's saying is this. Sometimes a fool needs to be put in their place, or they'll assume that their behavior is acceptable and that they're right. So how do you know when to answer and when to ignore? How do you know when to address it? I'm going to give you two examples from Jesus' life that hopefully will help bring some clarity to this. So when you are to ignore a fool is sometimes when someone is trying to bait you or draw you into something that is of no value to you or the kingdom. So there's a time when leaders come to Jesus and what they ask him, they question his authority. They ask him a question about something and it seems to be spiritual. It seems to be theological. It seems to be they're asking a spiritual question. But in reality, what they're doing is just simply questioning his authority. And as they question his authority, Jesus begins to answer them accordingly. So here's what it says. It says, when Jesus returned to the temple courts and began to teach, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him and they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And they asked, and he, who gave you this authority? And so Jesus answered them in Matthew chapter 21. He says, I'm going to ask you a question as well. John the Baptist's baptism, was it of God or was it of men? And here's what their response was. They said, if we say it was of God, he's going to say to them, why don't you believe him and why don't you follow him? But if we say it's of man, then the people recognize him as a prophet and they're going to turn on us. And so here's what it says their answer was. They said, we do not know. And so Jesus replied, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. I'm not going to be drawn into this conversation. I'm not going to be drawn into this debate that has nothing to do with the kingdom, that has no profitability towards you or your life or how you're supposed to live it. I'm not going to get drawn into those things. So we have to think in our lives. What are the times, what are the people that try to draw us into things that have no kingdom or personal value to us? They're simply useless debates. Paul tells Timothy, do not get drawn into useless controversies and debates with other people. Use your words accordingly. Use the value of your words to promote the kingdom and of God and righteousness. Don't get drawn into useless things. Because I'm telling you, there are people in this world that will draw you away and get you so embroiled in things that you turn around and go, how did I even get involved in that? The wisdom of God will allow you to stay out of those useless debates that a fool would draw you into. On the other side, when should you actually address a fool and their behavior? 
Another time from Jesus' life, leaders come to him, and now they're asking a question. They're debating amongst themselves. There are two sets of leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. One of them, the Pharisees, believes in all of the Old Testament. The Sadducees only believe in the first five books of the Old Testament. The the Pharisees believe in angels. They believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees, they do not believe in this. So they're debating each other, and they try to bait Jesus into this conversation by also questioning his authority and his legitimacy at the same time. So they tell him, they're debating over marriage and the resurrection, these these two groups. And so they look at Jesus and say, tell us this. There was once a man, they propose a scenario, and this man was married to this woman, and this man died. And according to the Old Testament law, his brother is supposed to marry the woman and take care of her and her children so she won't be alone. There was a man one time. He died, and his brother married. He died, and then his brother married her. He died, and his brother married her. All in all, seven brothers died, and they all married this woman. And they asked Jesus, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? So here's Jesus' response to them, okay? Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. You hear that? Your mistake, you don't know the scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. Then he answers him, for when the dead rise, they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they'll be like the angels in heaven. (laughs) So what's his response to them? He puts them in their place. They're trying to prove a point to prove somebody else wrong and prove Jesus is not legitimate in this. And what does he say? You don't know the word, nor do you know the God of the word. That feels like putting someone in their place before you ever answer the question. There are times that you have to put a fool in their place. So let me give you some practical advice. Practical advice is this. In people, in your relationships, in your interactions, ignore childish behavior. Childish behavior is seeking attention. Ignore it, but immediately address disruptive behavior. What I mean is this. So let's talk about children. Um, there's a difference between a child. How many had a child that threw temper tantrums occasionally? Let me just see your hands. Yeah, okay. The rest of you had perfect kids, right? Every child wants to do it. Listen, so there was two different things. If my kids wanted to throw a temper tantrum at home, I'd ignore it. Wouldn't, wouldn't give them the time of day. You do that in a store, that's different. Because now you're not disrupting the home, you're disrupting everybody around you. You got to know when to address it, when to ignore it. There are going to be some times in your life where you don't know which one to do. If it's simply childish behavior between you and another person, and they're wanting to get your attention, they're wanting to do something so that they'll draw you in and get you to show them some attention or get their way, ignore it. Ignore the childish behavior. If it becomes disruptive to the people around you or the organization that you work with or anything else, you immediately address that situation. And the only way you know how to do this in reality is with godly wisdom. You have to pray that God gives you the wisdom to know what is the motive behind it and also how to address the behavior that's taking place. So that's two very difficult scriptures back to back. So you have to know when to ignore a fool, when to address a fool. And then Jesus talks about, in verses 6 through 12, the futility of trusting a fool with anything. Here's what he says. And and I have to tell you right up front, 
Some of this seems heartless, and it's not meaning to be heartless, the, the way it's worded in this. But verses six through seven, starting in verse 6, it says, Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. So sending a message, it's useless in that. Like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. What he's saying, he's given extreme examples to say it is futile. It is waste of your time to give something to a fool and ask them to be careful with it and to deliver it the way it's supposed to be done. He then goes on to say in verse 8, like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. Sometimes in order to keep the peace, we wind up honoring fools. You ever been in one of those situations where somebody does something in a public setting and you know that person or you're part of that person, they're part of your family or whatever, and they do something in a public setting and and you just want it all to go away, right? What you want is a sinkhole to come and just take you away at that moment, right? But you just want it all to go away. So you cover for them, make excuses for them, laugh about it as if it's a joke. You, you, you do these things, and thereby you are giving credence and honor to that. Here's what he's saying. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. A sling was something you put a stone in loosely, and you would wrap it, you would sling it around like this, and you would let one end go, and the stone would fly. But if you tie it, to that sling, and you let it go, what's it going to do? It's going to come back and hit you. So what he's saying is this. It's futile, and if you honor a fool and cover up for a fool, you bring dishonor to yourself and harm yourself in it. Verses 8 and 9, excuse me, 9 and 10 says, Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds at random is one who hires a fool or any passerby. What he's saying is this, in this situation, these are scenarios where the person is actually hurting others. So three different scenarios. It's futile to trust them. It's harmful to your own self and your own honor. And it's harmful to other people. He goes on and says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. I'll give you something here. Someone who thinks they're wise, they are not. People who are wise always think they don't know quite enough, and they're depending on the Lord to get the wisdom that they need. Someone who thinks that they're wise and possesses all of this wisdom, that's a person you need to be worried about. It doesn't mean that, that, that a person is not wise. Other people will recognize it in you. But I've never met a wise person where other people recognize it. I've never met a wise person that came to you and said, why don't you talk to me? I've got wisdom. Never met a wise person because a wise person has humility as well. All God's people said? Amen. I know it's harsh, but I love this because I didn't say it. Solomon did. <laughs> right? Jesus said it like this. In one verse, he says, do not give to dogs what is sacred and do not cast your pearls to swine. That sounds harsh. That sounds really harsh. You know what he's saying? Don't give what is valuable to you to someone who doesn't have the capacity or the morals to value it themselves. 
Don't trust fools with valuable things. So there's foolish, there's foolish trust. The second category is foolish behavior. And Solomon is pretty direct here. He says in verse 13, the lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. So in case you didn't pick up on it, Solomon really doesn't play games with laziness, right? But laziness is a state of mind that affects you negatively. He's not talking about when you have a lazy day at home. He's not talking about your productivity compared to someone else's productivity. Look, I know high pro, highly productive people probably think lesser productive people are lazier. Some people just have greater capacity, higher productivity level. That's that just the way that they're created. In. That's not what he's talking about at all. My dad used to have a saying, and he said this. He always says, when it's all said and done, there's usually more said than done, right? That, what he's saying is laziness is this state of mind at the core of it. It's a mindset or a heart that is convinced that they don't need to work. And that mindset comes from one of two places, either arrogance or entitlement. Arrogance says I shouldn't have to work. Entitlement says the world owes me something. Those are not of God. Those are not of God. Here's what Paul writes in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He writes to the church, Thessalonica. He talks about people who refuse to work. Here's what he said. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and meddling in other people's business. Because with work comes purpose. And a person that refuses to work is a, purpose, a person who will endless or inevitably wind up putting themselves in other people's business, putting their noses where it don't belong, right? I want to give you some advice real quick to all the parents in the room. Every child, adolescent, teenager has to be brought up has to be taught, has to be disciplined. And look, there is no child, no adolescent, no teenager, no college student that wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, I think I need to clean the house today. Man, I bet that yard needs mowing today, right? Those are things that have to be trained, they have to be taught. And a child is naturally resistant to that. A teenager is naturally resistant to that. I'm not telling you not to make them do it. They should. Go get them, tiger. I mean, seriously. But I want you to be careful about something. You were taught the same way, and you learned it the same way. And just because they're exhibiting the same behavior you did when you were young doesn't make them lazy. I want, to, I, want to, I want to challenge you as parents and grandparents. Even when your children are not doing something you want them to do in that way, some work, some chore, whatever, 
Do not call them lazy. Do not tell them they are lazy. That is a label. You can tell them that their behavior is lazy. You can tell them that what they're doing is what laziness looks like. But don't label them. You can describe their behavior and then tell them. And the reason why I'm telling you this is you're better than this. You're better than this. I know you're better than this. I've seen you be better than this. I just want to tell you, be careful when you describe things never to label your children. Because if you label your children one of these days, they're going to start believing that. Words have power. And you have to address things in your children, but you have to call them up to a higher standard. You have to bring them up to a place that God has created them to be. And those aren't easy conversations. A lot of times they're difficult conversations. And yet they are conversations that God will give you wisdom to navigate in those moments. Solomon talks about foolish things. He talks about foolish behavior. And then he talks about foolish motives. This is where he gets into the behavior or the things that can get deep in us and cause us to do foolish things. These are not so apparent as a fool that's just out there. These are subtle things that he wants to make sure doesn't appear in in each of us. It's four categories, he says. The first one is this, anger. In verse 17, he says, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. You ever done that? You get, you get bitten very fast, you do that. Verse 21, a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. The word quarrelsome means contentious. Always in to some argument or fight. Contentious people lack purpose and they lack peace. Inevitably, because if they had purpose and they had peace, they wouldn't be contentious. They're lacking those things. Someone who is always embroiled in something or outraged at something or involved in an argument is a person that lacks purpose and peace in their lives. And those are the two things that only come from God. So how do you handle that? If it's bad enough, you need to disassociate yourself with those people. If they're family, I get it. You need to diminish the influence they have in your life. I'm going to give you a truth that I need you to understand. Constant outrage comes from uncontrolled inward rage. Constant outrage comes from uncontrolled inward rage. It's not about the circumstances. It's about what's inside. And I want to tell you something. If you find yourself constantly, constantly in arguments and fights, I want you to go to the Lord and ask him, Lord, what is raging inside of me that has me so angry that I need to yield to you so that you can heal it now in Jesus' name. He says, watch those things. Anger. The second one is cowardice. Cowardice. Verses 18 and 19, he says this. 
Someone who tricks someone else and then claims he was only joking is like a crazy person playing with a deadly weapon. I want to make this as plain as he possibly can. Someone who uses humor as a disguise for cruelty, either by words or deeds, is nothing but a coward. Because what they want to do is harm and wound, but they don't want to be blamed for it. They want to say it, they want to do it, and come back and say, oh, I was only joking. That is not behavior that is befitting of someone who's been redeemed by the blood. Biting, hurtful sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. Listen, at all. And if you constantly find yourself telling people, or having to tell people, oh, I was only joking, because your words or your deeds are wounding them, you need to ask God to do a work in you so that the fruit of the Spirit, especially the fruit of love, peace, gentleness, kindness, and self-control, become apparent in your life. He talks about anger, he talks about cowardice, and then he talks about insecurity. Here's what he says in verse 20. Fire goes out with wood, without wood. Quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Verse 22. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. I'm not going to talk a lot about gossiping because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. If you want to hear a lot about gossiping, go listen. You need to hear it. I'm going to give you a, a truth, though. Someone who gossips is one of the most insecure people you will ever meet because they're either trying to bring someone down to their level or elevate themselves up as a source of information. They're the most insecure people you'll ever meet. Do not give a gossip the time of day and do not give them any of your time and attention. I told you a couple of weeks ago, you listen to if they'll gossip to you about someone else, they'll gossip about you to someone else. And if you find yourself getting drawn into that, you need to take that to the Lord and allow the Lord to do a healing in you and make you feel the security of who you are in Jesus Christ so that you don't feel it necessary to talk about other people. The fourth one is this, hatred. He says, be careful that hatred doesn't show up. He says, hateful people try to cover up their hatred. In verse 23, he says, pretty words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. A man with hate in his heart may sound pleasant enough, but don't believe him, for he is cursing you in his heart. Though he pretends to be so kind, his hatred will finally come to light for all to see. The man who sets a trap for others will get caught in it himself. Roll a boulder down on someone, and it will roll back and crush you. Flattery is a form of hatred and wounds cruelly. What Solomon is saying is this. Eventually, everyone's motives will come to the surface. People with wisdom understand that God will eventually expose the hidden hatred that people have. And wise people will trust the Lord even when hateful people seem to be prospering at the time. And you read 26, the chapter, and you say, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be that person. I don't want those things in my life. How do I avoid that? 
How do I get wisdom instead? And we remember that Jesus' brother James says, if any of one of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who will give liberally to all he asks without favoritism. You ask God for wisdom. Specifically, Lord, help me see things the way you see them. Help me discern the things that are really going on. Lord, help me see people the way you see them, not only their motives. Help me see their heart. If someone says something that's hurtful, help me to see that they're probably hurting at the same time. How do I deal with them wisely? Lord, help me to treat people the way you want me to treat them not the way my flesh wants to treat them. Lord, help me. Help my heart to love even when in difficult conversations and interactions. For some of you here, you want the wisdom of God. The only way you have the wisdom of God is to be in a relationship with him. Psalm 14 tells us, the fool has said in his heart, There's no God. But Proverbs 9 and 10 says, fear, reverence of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. You can't be wise unless you've yielded your heart to Jesus. It's impossible. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes in this place? No one looking around except for the ministry team and myself. If you're here in this room and you know when you came in, things aren't right between you and the Lord. I just want to invite you to say a prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize what you have done through the worship and songs, through the ministry and prayer, through your word. I recognize that you're Lord of all. I know that you died on a cross for my sins. I know that you raised a new life, the new life, so that I could have new life. I know that my old life doesn't have to be that way anymore, and my new life is awaiting me. And so I ask you to forgive me of the way that I've lived. And I yield my life from you to this point forward. Be Lord of every part of my life and I'll never be the same. I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to just pray this prayer of profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now with your heads bowed, eyes closed. No one's looking around. I'm not here to embarrass you, call you out. What I'm here to do is pray for you right now. But if that's you, you know when you came in here, things aren't right between you and the Lord and you said, I'm making a decision to follow him today for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you, just raise your hand really high and say, pray for me this week, Pastor Kurt. Just keep it up. Just a moment, please. Thank you. God bless you. Yep, you're not alone. Amen. Amen. Just keep it up. Just a moment more. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you right now for lives that have been changed. We thank you for hope that has been restored. We thank you that the weight of guilt and shame has been lifted off of them and that they now have joy and peace resonating in their heart and their soul and their mind. God, I pray that they walk out of this place with a sense of purpose and destiny that you have placed on their lives. I also pray for every person in this room, Lord, those that have yielded their hearts to Jesus, that you would make us wise, that you would give us the wisdom that we need to discern when to respond to foolish people and when to not, to discern the things that might show up in our lives that want to creep in so subtly to point those out to us so that anger and cowardice, insecurity and hatred 
are given no place to take root and to grow in our own lives. Holy Spirit, make us open to hearing you and to listening to you as you point out the things that need to change in us and help us to yield completely to you. Help us to be wise. I pray of every person in this room that no matter what their age, that others would recognize as you move on them that they are wise beyond their years because they are deep in their relationship with you. And Lord, for that, we don't recognize our own wisdom. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for being the only true wise one and the one who speaks in us and through us and guides us and directs us. You and you alone deserve all the praise. And we give that to you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And can you celebrate with me today if eight people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ? Amen. Come on, God is good. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision today or you made it in the last few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on your walk with Christ. Our grow team will be down here at the end of service. We'd love to talk with you. Give us a couple of minutes of your time. If you're interested in getting more information about North, as Pastor Jason said, there's a card in front of you. Take that, fill it out. Um, You can drop it in one of the giving boxes. You can go out in the atrium. There's a next steps uh, table out there. We'd love to help you just kind of get started in that process as well. I also want to remind you this Friday night, Freedom Celebration starting at 6 p.m., food trucks, uh, great band is going to be here, and of course, one of the best fireworks show you're going to see. It's just a great time. And listen, the cost is free. You just pay for your food. There's no cost to get in. There's no charge for you or any of your friends. Your giving makes this possible in order for us to do this for our community. So bring as many people as you want to. We'd love to see you all here for that. And on your way out today in either one of the lobbies, we are starting our backpack um, blessing and giveaway. So grab one of the backpacks, fill it up with some uh, the supplies that are listed there, and let's be a blessing for our community um, this summer. Let's stand if you would. In Numbers chapter 6, it shows how to speak a pastoral or priestly blessing. So I want you to just turn your hands open and act as if you were about to receive something from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.